Welcome to the Eastern Current Saltwater Fishing Podcast presented by Outdoors by Owner. OBO helps the outdoorsmen find the perfect home to rent for their next outdoor pursuit. Whether you're looking for a house right on the shallow water flats of Florida Bay with world-class sight fishing right out your back door, or you want to find a weekend mountain getaway for you and your family, OBO has the house for you. To check out all their incredible properties, visit go-obo.com. On today's podcast, I sit down with three other guide buddies, Captain John Mauser, Captain Perry McDougald, and Captain Ozzy. We discuss the recent speckled trout hearings with the NCDMF, our opinion of spot burning for money, and our best on-the-water poop stories. This podcast really does have it all. Hope you enjoy. If you haven't already, be sure to check out Eastern Current on Patreon. There you'll be able to find our weekly Ramp Talk podcast, as well as other video content that you can't find on YouTube. I've teamed up with Florida Fishing Products to outfit my guide service with their spinning reels, braided line, and fluorocarbon leader, and I'm looking forward to giving you some real-world feedback on their gear. I've been enjoying their Osprey CE for all my light tackle, redfish, and speckled trout, and Resolute for my beefier setups for big reds, cobia, tarpon, and jacks. I'm looking forward to helping further their mission to equip anglers to fish better, which couldn't align closer with our values here at Eastern Current. Be sure to check out their website, floridafishingproducts.com, or ask about them at your local tackle shop. Temple Fork Outfitters is the rod of choice for all of us here at Eastern Current. Whether we're fly fishing for shallow water redfish, sight casting to cobia from a tower, or dropping live pinfish to grouper in 100 feet of water, they have the rod for the job. Their customer service is unmatched by any rod company out there, and their rods can take the beating of everyday guide use without any issues. My favorite rod for redfish and speckled trout is their 7-foot medium-light tactical inshore spin rod. Be sure to check out their website, tforods.com. What's going on, guys? Thanks for driving down from uh, from the the Northlands to do a podcast tonight. We got Ozzy and Perry and Mauser here, and everyone's been on the podcast separately, uh, but but this is the first time we're all together sitting here uh, around a table having a conversation. So thank you all for making the drive. How was it? Uh, quick and easy. Thanks for having us too. Yeah, for sure. Glad for to sure. be here. Yeah, uneventful. So that's good. <laughs> uneventful. That is good. Uh, how about you, Ozzy? You got picked up on the way down. I was a bum. Yeah, I showed hey. up and hopped in a truck. I didn't do anything. I think he was eating a zebra cake or something when we got him. Easy, <laughs> easy. I'm on a diet. <laughs> Look, I was very hopeful for what I'm just saying. The zebra cake diet. Yeah, the zebra I cake diet. I need to diet. try that one out. I need to try that one out. So we are all fishing guides here in North Carolina. Um, a lot of – we really all focus heavily on fly sight fishing and in, in different regions. I think we kind of spread from the southern part of the state to the middle part of the, the state coastline-wise as far as the waters that we fish, but – We've got a, a quite a few things to talk about, and this is going to be kind of one of those podcasts where we hop on and just chit-chat, share some opinions, talk about life, you know, if you will, and, and, and kind of what's been requested a lot. You know, that we do a lot of the teaching podcasts on here, but I think a lot of people are wanting to hear more, just kind of hang out, you know, style conversations. So excited to, to get with that. But how has everyone's fishing been this spring? I know down here it's been a little little bit slower as far as our schooling redfish and everything. Have y'all had some, some de- well, not spring, but late winter? Has it been pretty good up, up near y'all? So I, I really enjoyed January and February and uh, kind of, you know, two or three weeks ago, it, it turned to summertime for a couple of days and yeah. our water temps went from 55 degrees to 70 degrees overnight. And it looked, I thought winter was over and we're going in springtime and 
saw more bait pop come back into the marsh and water got a little greener and the fish started to break up and then three or four days later it was the water was 53 degrees again yeah and uh some of those schools have held together but i think at this point although it's still i would classify it as kind of the end of winter style fishing and that transition um i don't want to say i'm over it but almost all the winter redfish schools are highly educated at this point so my hard part right now is not finding fish it's finding fish that will work with us that don't have it figured out before we ever get there it's getting harder to get close to fish and even if we get within casting distance of them they're just uh they're just kind of looking at it and uh, i've seen that already a couple times this winter so i'm looking forward to the water getting i hate saying this the water getting dirty and fish spreading out and getting aggressive and and not all being in in for sure for sure the schools are fun man but it does It does get old and very frustrating when you've got like a perfect cast through 200 fish and they yeah. don't eat it. And it's like, golly, <laughs> you start to think that's how redfish are. And then you find like a group of fish that has been pressured and it's, mm-hmm. it's mind blowing. So it is still, I, I, well, the one cool thing about when fish get like that though, is it really hones your fly skills and, and even your, your light tackle skills is like, you really have to, to focus. You can't just lob a cast into a group of fish. I think it becomes the toughest style of fishing and, and, and definitely helps out. But what about you, Oz? How's it, how's it been? You're kind of middle, middle land. Y'all, y'all kind of cross paths and in, in y'all's yeah, territory a little bit. I think we overlap a little bit yeah. more so in the past year and a half, two years. Mm-hmm. Um, but dude, I felt like we were going to have an epic all winter and, and even in the spring because like our first part of the winter was sick. We had yeah. a really good first part. And then we got to that middle part where you're talking about, middle to late part where it got warm, and it was still sick. Like, we had some summer-esque days, but clean water. Like, they acted like summer fish. They were even tailing and, and doing it dirty, but they were still schooled up in clean water. Yeah, I was, it was awesome. Yeah. And then I feel like in the past, I don't know, month or so, it got tough. Um, just true to spring fish is what I think is, you know, one day you're a hero. And then next week we're on the same route and you're zeroed out. You're like, oh, we're keeps you on your toes. Yeah, def- definitely. I've I've said this before on the podcast, but I make it a point to fish harder and more booked or not in the spring than any other time because those fish do keep you on your toes. They're 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 some mobile fish. Um, so that that's how mine's going. There's been some tough days. There's been some really good days, but it has been. Um, not an easy spring by any means. Yeah. I mean, we're we're definitely catching fish and getting it done, but we're making long runs for it um, and hitting uh, more spots than what normally I would in a half day or a full day. For sure. So um, This has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but this is my ADD brain. I, this, this saying popped in my head today while I was fishing, and, and I'm like, I like that. And I was thinking, because me and Cameron were talking, we're both kind of fishing similar zones, and we're, we're texting and calling and stuff. And I was like, more network, less sweat work. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to stick with That's going to be a new slogan. Like, The more you kind of network this time of year, the less you've got to put. I mean, everyone's working and putting on the table. But if you're trying to cover a massive zone by yourself, it's like, uh-huh. it's tough. It's nice to have yeah. a network of people, whether you're guiding or fun fishing. So, Absolutely. And it's better if, if you know the guides in the area to like not make a 30-minute run and then show up and someone's already there. So it's, yep. the networking's helpful. But, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm ready for some spring, some summer stuff. Mm-hmm. It was it was painful though. It was like I thought spring was here. I was like, man, we're not gonna have any more cold days. And then bam, I got got real chilly again. Yeah, tired of wearing a base layer, dude. Yeah, I know. I'm with you. I got a base layer that doesn't really go anywhere anymore. <laughs> but, uh, but man, you're opening a fly shop. What's the what's the launch date for that? And man, am I excited? Yeah. So it's uh it's been a fun little adventure. Uh, we're currently planning on opening April 22nd, Earth Day. 
Nice. So everybody, come on out. Super crunchy. Yeah, yeah, right. We'll have some free granola. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. But uh, yeah, shops coming along. We're getting orders in every day. If I'm not on the water, I'm in the shop. Thank you. Putting up product, paying bills, computer work. You know, all the fun stuff that yeah, a sure. business is for sure. Uh, but it, it's really exciting. We've got some fun stuff coming. We're gonna do some tie-in nights. We're gonna host some groups. Um, hopefully have some guest speakers, guest tires. We'd love to yeah. have you come on down. Tell dude, us a little something. Dude, we'll do it. We'll do it for and, sure. And, uh, yeah, it, it's it's going to be a fun little ride, man. That's awesome, man. I think we're in desperate need of a good fly shop. I feel, some have popped up in some areas, but what's so awesome about your area, it's like so central to the whole coastline. Yep. Right. It's, it's yep. a really good spot where people can come in from a, a large area, uh, and, and I think it's going to be really nice. And, and seeing all the fly tying gear that you all are getting in is, is going to be very helpful because I'm yeah. tired of going and picking through Sportsman's Warehouse down here to get <laughs> get some halfway decent stuff. We're yeah. going we're going real heavy on materials. Yeah, uh, you know we'll have rods and reels, all that fun stuff. Um, we'll have some outerwear, of course, for protection during yep. the, the rainy seasons. Um, line leader tippet, all that fun stuff, bunch of flies. But we're going super heavy on materials. That seems to be what everybody's been wanting for sure. Um, so that's going to be a big focus for us is the, the tying material selection and the tying classes and things like that. Definitely. That's, yeah. that's super cool. Now is, uh, is it going to be fl- just fly stuff? Are you going to have any conventional style stuff in there or just fly for the most part? Nope. So the, the store is going to focus purely on fly. I like it. Um, and it will focus on Southeast North Carolina fly fishing. Yep. Um, so your material selection, your gear selection, it'll be saltwater focused inshore, near shore. That's what our focus is going to be that's awesome um the building that we're in it's my brother and i who bought it together okay and the building split and my brother is the one who owns pogies in swansboro so he's conventional tackle so we're under the same roof so if you want you know some gulp bait or some z-man he's got you covered that's awesome Perfect. come talk to me i'll sell you some flies if you've got you know you want to sling both of them on the boat we got you covered yeah that's sweet i didn't know it was attached bugs i knew y'all were together but yeah. i didn't know it was actually attached that's super cool that's a uh, very very convenient yeah one-stop not, shop not working with family but working right beside them so. right. <laughs> <laughs> you can only you can only butthead so much that's right that's right do you have assigned parking spots for for you and your brother yeah so actually the way the building is um it's in between the two small bridges in swansville and swansboro so you pull in and i've got all the parking on the front side because that's where my door is, and he's got all the parking to the side of the building because his door's on that corner. So it's it's pretty easy. We've got signs up there to say fly shop only parking, and he's got his pogies only parking. So <laughs> that's awesome. It, it's nice to have. Heck yeah, man. That's that'll be cool. You said April twenty second. April twenty second, which is Saturday, uh, Earth Day, twenty twenty three. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll definitely keep everyone posted on the Eastern Current Instagram too of when that's going to kick off and. I'll, I'm definitely going to try to be up there. and I, Not even try. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be up there. I'm, I'm so bad about saying I'm going to try to do that. But when you have two kids and a wife and and a dog, it's really just the wife and the two kids. It's hard to commit to stuff. <laughs> Especially in the evening. From like 4 o'clock until bedtime, it is really hard to. Don't throw the dogs in there, man. Dogs the, ain't doing that. The dogs aren't doing it. See, I'm, I'm opposite of that. My midday with my two-year-old is my. It's a tough time. I can't do anything midday. Yeah. Yeah, um, midday is tough. Is that or like nap time or oh yeah. pre-nap time? Oh, yeah, yeah. about like 12, 31 o'clock. It's, it's time to lay down, sweetheart. Are you <laughs> skipping naps yet to make it to the, uh, earlier bedtime ever? That's like a new hack we've started doing. No, so we, we're kind of, I'm going to say, lucky and blessed all at the same time. So my kid goes to daycare um, on base, which is where my wife works. Mm-hmm. So my wife's got to be at work super early, so the kid wakes up at 5.30 in the morning. So bedtime is 6.30, 7 o'clock, wow. period, and that's her routine now. And you're like, all right, well, seven o'clock, kids down. I still got a couple hours. Like, right. 
You want to watch a movie and go to bed at 7.15, babe? <laughs> <laughs> That's how I am too, man. It's so hard to stay up. I, I have to stay sitting in a chair past 8 o'clock. If I get on the couch past 8 o'clock, I'm out. Just so quick, I'm out. But every once in a while, I'll, 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 I'll keep it up. But no one cares about my kids and my, my life on, here on the podcast. So <laughs> so we'll, we'll circle back around to some fishing. But did y'all – so we've got a bunch of stuff going on right now in the state with, you know, the speckled trout and and uh, saying, you know, they're going to put a quote on speckled trout. Y'all went to the meeting in Newburn last night, didn't you? So get, take us through what that meeting was like. Would you like to just start yelling at each other, John? <laughs> we just started Was it a bunch of fighting back and forth? No, yeah. no. It, just out of turn yelling. It was, I wouldn't say it was fighting, but it was definitely a little bit of organized chaos, so to say. But yeah. it was uh, it was interesting. I mean, it was, I don't want to say your typical right. fisheries right. meeting, but some of it turned into that point, you know, one side against the other, which is detrimental to the fishery. Like, right. we got to find some common ground. For sure. That was the only frustrating part I thought about last night. Yeah, I mean, so I guess first off, there was probably close to 200 people that showed up to it. Mm-hmm. and they For, had, Mostly from the rec side, do you think? Oh, uh, yeah. 99%. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Maybe I think one person that was commercial. But I heard, I heard one person stand up and speak publicly pro-commercial fishing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and whether it was, I mean, some people think it was on purpose. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But the room probably held, normally would seat like 75 people. So there was a bunch of people standing in there, and then probably 30 or so people signed up to speak, and normally they allow like three minutes to speak. So that's like an hour and a half, and it's only a two-hour meeting. It's from 6 to 8, and then the place closed at 8. But they did an hour PowerPoint presentation before public comment would right. even begin. Yeah, so we thought we were going to have like an hour for everybody to speak. We're going, okay, well, now we're going to get this long. And uh, then they said, well, we're going to take some questions before we take y'all's comments. And the questions became... Um, accusations i guess and you know a couple angry people in there it, you know how it's going to be when you get 200 right, people right. in a room and it was just you know we we didn't know if we we're going to talk at all so we ended up getting like a minute and a half two minutes to speak each and um it basically what they're saying is these fish uh the population is not currently overfished it is a healthy population it's a little bit above what they need to maintain that population but the current fishing pressure on it as more people are getting on the water yeah covid and everything else and just more people with boats it is being overfished so the difference between overfished and being overfished are different right, right so you right. healthy population but we're taking too many out of the population eventually it's going to be an overfished population and they basically said we've already decided that from the studies and and it's not just the fish are coming out of the water they're factoring in what they think the different mortality rates are on catch and release fish they say maybe in this area this time of year there's a you know, 18% mortality rate over here. It's 75% mortality rate in the heat of the summer and fish are being handled poorly. So they put all that stuff in there and they say, Hey, we, we have to do something. We're going to, we need to reduce the amount of fish mortalities, whether that's from catch and release or from, you know, harvesting fish. What we want you guys to talk about is what options would you like us to consider on how we reduce this? That could be a change in size limit, a change in krill limit, a change in seasons, you know, capping the season or, you know, maybe in the summer you don't fish them or maybe December through March you don't fish them or maybe you do a slot limit or maybe we go to where there's no trouble hooks on trout so there's, you know, better fish handling practices. And the problem was that, you know, there's so much tension uh, between recreational fishermen and commercial fishermen and the people that manage the fishery here that a lot of people, I think, just kind of went off the path of, like, you know, they blamed this, they blamed gill nets, or they blamed the state for this. Really what they want to know is they want to know, 
we're going to manage it. We're going to change it. We're going to reduce it. How do you want us to reduce it? And that, that was the point of the thing. So, yeah. you know, some people in there spoke about, well, I'd prefer that you guys put a slot limit. I'd prefer you do this. Please don't do that. You know, the biggest concern with everybody right now is that there was a proposal made that when you um, catch your, say if they set a limit for the year for recreational anglers, this is how many pounds or this is how many trout you can catch. Once you hit that limit, there's no more fishing for trout, no more catching of trout at all. And that one proposal is said basically the way we'll manage that is that in areas, say it's August and the amount of trout has been hit for North Carolina, there will be no hook and line fishing in those areas that contain trout for the rest of the year so that we don't accidentally catch any trout while targeting redfish or flounder or black drum or something like that or bluefish on the on the beach side. And so basically that proposal, which I don't think it's even constitutional to do, but it was shut down fishing for the rest of the year anywhere where trout lived. So I think everywhere, that, everywhere, <laughs> basically the, the so entire crazy. state of North Carolina. Um, so that's that's what's really got people rattled that they would even consider, you know, a proposal like that. Now, how would this shape up between commercial and recreational? So what is the what how does how's it? So it's, I, I see obviously how it's going to affect recreational anglers. But what, how is it going to affect commercial? What are they going to do in, in that side of things? Were they talking about that at all? Well, see, the thing is with, with um, they look at discards also. So how many fish are caught and then the discards. And what they're saying is there's a lot of discards of like mortalities in the, within the recreational sector, but there's basically no discards on the commercial sector. And basically what they're saying is... Um, well, Commercial's clean because they're killing them all. They're killing them all, right. So they're not releasing anything. But also the amount, the, a commercial boat is allowed to take 75 trout per boat per day. Right. Um, and they're not quite hitting that limit. And whether that's they're not able to get enough trout or there's just not enough market to sell more trout than that. So they're saying basically that the commercial sector is doing better with the amount of the percentage of trout they're getting. Uh, one of the things that they've asked uh, in one of those proposals was that 20% of what, right now wrecks get more trout than commercial anglers do overall, the, the, the percentage of trout. They want to take like another 20%, I believe it is, from the recreational sector and give those to the commercial sector, um, which is the commercial guys don't even catch their amount that they're allotted now. So right. taking that other 20% is just basically, I think recreationally we get 60% of the trout and they would knock it down to 40%. So I think we'd hit those limits really quickly as recreational anglers. Yeah, for sure. And in my opinion, now granted, catching trout in a tidal, fast-moving area like where I fish for trout a lot in the fall, yeah, maybe I wouldn't notice if there was trout dying. But you think about the Pamlico Sound and all those creeks with zero current, like you would see a lot more floating dead trout if they, if we were killing as many, releasing them as as they say we are. I mean, the people that are on the water every single day in those creeks, and I never, I mean, maybe I've seen, I mean, I've, I've trout fished up in the Pamlico quite a few times this winter, haven't seen a single dead fish, you know, I mean, I feel, and you see a lot of boats fishing and yeah, fish are going to die. Fish get deep hooked, but I mean, every trout I release is kicking off, you know, really hard. That's, that's the frustrating thing. So I've, I've actually seen, you know, and it's not many of them, but I've seen more dead redfish than I have trout mm-hmm. when I'm pulling those flats. And For those sure. are probably fish that were, you know, gut hooked on, you know, with a J hook in the throat or something and they swam off and died. But I don't see that many trout or any, honestly, Right, you know, floating around, and we, we fish a lot of places that are heavy with trout that I can see the bottom of them in the fall. Right. So yeah, what, what's everybody's opinion? What 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 was your take? I want to kind of hear what everyone was kind of thinking through that. Me and Ozzy talked about it a little bit yesterday, but yeah, I think for me, I think um, one, uh, not that they would have to enforce it, but I think just educating anglers more on the handling of the fish and the for types sure. of lures we're using. 
you know, if we're fishing something that's got treble hooks and scent on it, like, you know, it, it's much more likely these fish are going to get gut hooked. It's easy to tear a trout's mouth up, you know. So I think about, I, I've personally, like, I don't use treble hooks anymore. I've, I've gone to inline hooks on, on everything I use. And I think that would help with the, you know, that and the handling techniques. I'm, I think, unfortunately, I think there's a small percentage of recreational anglers that probably, you know, don't appreciate those smaller trout as much. So they do grab them with a towel or, you know, they maybe grab them with the fish grips. and Take all the slime do, off of them. Do the all that yeah. stuff, right? And, and the fish swims off, but maybe it's two or three days later that fish ends up dying from an infection or something. So I think, one, teaching better fish handling skills, but if they're going to enforce something, I think a slot limit would be great on those. I agree. I, I think there should be a slot limit on a lot of fish. The, the amount of eggs, and, and, and some of the viewers may know it, but they say that, you know, a trout, once it gets – 20 inches long produces 20 million eggs per spawning season, and then exponentially that increases as that trout gets bigger. So it's hard for like a 12 or 14 inch trout to make it to 20, 25 inches. You know, a lot of them die from natural causes along the way. So once you get a trout that's that superior, putting that many eggs out, there's no need to keep them. You know, there's, right. there's no need to kill four. It's great if you're catching The amount of meat you get more from that is so right. minuscule that it doesn't matter. Yeah. So, I mean, do a 14 to 20 or 14 to 22 inch slaughter i mean if people are you know really want to keep a trophy trout then maybe even if they said keep one over slot per day yeah. out of your four I, I think that's that's good i don't don't think that there's a need to um, reduce it to less than four trout per person per day at this point because what they're saying is we're actually they say we're killing more trout by releasing them than we are by um, keeping them so you know that's you, such garbage yeah man. and then the other thing is there's and this was brought up. There's no really need to go bigger than 14 inches on that size limit because if we up it to like 16 inches minimum, think about how many 14 to 16 inch trout we're handling and throwing back in the water. So if it is a mortality thing from handling, you're going to be just going through a lot more trout that are getting mishandled to get your your slot fish. So yeah, I think 14 to 20 is a great range. Yeah, for no, fish. I'm with you on that. I think that's a really good range. That. That's something that kind of shakes me up a little bit because I'm not great with handling small trout. Like, and it, you know, you, you're catching trout and you're boat flipping them and they're flopping around on the boat and you're unhooking them, tossing them back, and it's like they they kick off good. But but I think I could definitely be safer with that. But what's uh what's your take on it, Perry? What do you think? I think everybody's got a a right opinion no matter what you ask. Right. Um, That's the problem with people. It, <laughs> we're you know what I mean? Right. We don't want to be moldable, which stinks. I, I think there were a lot of good ideas and good suggestions and. I, when I spoke, I spoke right after John did, and oh, that sucks. I know I had to, <laughs> I had to follow up the science, um, but I just made one small little suggestion, and it's recorded. You can see it online, and I will take the backlash for it. And I said, "What if we just got rid of drum roll, please, the captain share?" Yeah, I like I, it. I I don't. If you're trying to reduce, as far as, you know, the amount of fish that are taken out, let's say you've got three people on your boat, you're getting four fish per person, you've got 12 trout, if my math is okay, I think I graduated. Like, do they really need the four more that you're going to give them? Like, sure, you can work. And a lot of them don't even know yeah, that you can do that. Yeah. They're just, Bingo. Well, you know, your law is based on people per vessel, you know, per person in that boat, but... I'm not going to give you my fish. It doesn't matter if it's redfish or trout or what. Like, that's the way I make a living. So why would I give you, and I've heard a good friend of mine said that they were his business partners, so why would I destroy my business partner, <laughs> that's you know? Yeah, that fish is worth more 
alive than he is dead. Absolutely. So, and you know, I'll take the backlash. I know there's plenty of captains who will try and work and make that little extra tip and give you their share so you're happier, but that's not what I need to do. I'm, right. I'm here to give you a good day on the water, whether that be catching fish or seeing bald eagles or whatever it entails. And, or uh, both. Yeah. Damn good day. <laughs> Freedom. <laughs> seeing bald eagles catching fish. Yeah. <laughs> that's the twilight zone right there. That is. But it, it was just a quick, easy, what if we could in, somehow enforce that, which that was another hot topic of the whole evening of that meeting was just enforcement because there's such a lack of it. Um, right. You know, there were stories told. And who's out there enforcing the the commercial pressure in the evenings at night and the dark? And I'm not against commercial. I'm not. I'm just, I'm I'm for pro, you know, management of a fishery that's going to be sustainable. That's yeah. what I, I want everyone to make a living on the water. I really do. I know people probably might shake their heads at that, but sorry there's, to interrupt. There's bad apples on both sides of the yeah. sector. Oh, for yeah, sure. 100%. For sure. But, no, that's, uh, I like that. I really do like that. And I, I'm guilty I got to be honest. I started out as such a fly purist. I I got a bay boat. I started running more trips. And I'm going to be honest, and I've talked to Ozzy about this. When you start killing fish, you're like, well, I don't want to post a picture like three shy of my limit, make it look like I didn't catch my limit, like I'm trying to book trips. So then you have that pressure as a guide to to throw your limited dead fish on there. And so they're like, oh, you know, we're good with eight. And I've definitely been like, oh, you know, put these three more little ones in there. That's something I'm ashamed of, but I'm not afraid to admit because I want to change and be different at that. Mm-hmm. And and I I. I've, I mean, I would love to be all catch and release. It makes me a little nervous, but I feel like, I mean, I'm pretty close to, I would say 75% of my clientele would be completely fine catch and release. So I can count on one hand last year how many redfish, <laughs> how many redfish we harvest. Yeah. And I know, John, you went a full calendar year, if not more, of not harvesting a single fish. Yeah, and that's incredible. it was a goal. I mean, it was amazing. We only caught four last year. <laughs> <laughs> when you only catch four, it's not very hard. <laughs> Just kidding. But it's, uh, you know, I mean, even on my website, I advertise catch and release. Now, I'm not one to tell you that you cannot legally keep your fish, but I right. will encourage you to, hey, let's let that fish go. Let's let them get a little bit bigger and catch them again next year, you know. We'll yeah. see what happens. But it's I can't tell you no, but I will encourage. Yeah. I feel like 90% of clients, if you kind of express why it's mm-hmm. important to let that fish go, they're pretty open to it. And then they get kind of fired up about it. But I, I've talked to some guys down in Texas where there's like the empty stringers program down there where the like companies have partnered together for clients to be entered into raffles. So like, hey, if you release your fish, if you choose to release every fish for the day, you know, you get put in this monthly raffle and you could win thousands of dollars worth of gear. I'm like, that's, that's awesome. a pretty cool thing yeah. for clients to be able to be like, you know, and then the clients can, or the guides can push it. I mean, it'd be kind of a hard thing to pull together, but yeah. I think they deal with so many trout killed yeah. down there. Huge limits of like, you know, Texas and Louisiana have huge limits, but that's a different story, but a cool idea and something that maybe we could work towards as wreck anglers. But, um, Ozzy, what about you? What was your opinion? What, I know we talked and yeah. if you, and I know you were a little nervous to share it. Are you okay, Sharon? All right. <laughs> hold my hand the whole time. <laughs> hold um, it. I know first of all, what I was thinking, if we knew a buddy with a fly shop, we could pull that together, the raffle thing. We'll say, you know, if you release your fish, you drive up and, and swing <laughs> by Soundside Outfitters, and he'll give you any fly rod you want for sage, free. A free sage, a free Nautilus. <laughs> um, for real, though. <laughs> I got to head out, guys. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, no, honestly, um, my head, as you guys were saying and talking about what you were, your, your opinions and stuff, my head was all over the place, right? So I was trying to, like, think about what I'm about to say, and I, I'm in a thousand different directions. Um, we all we have something in common, right? Like you were saying, we've got to find the common ground. That common ground is the fishery, right? So um, I, I grew up 
beside the commercial fishermen, I graduated there in Sneeds Ferry, which is a, um, a, a commercial industry. So those are buddies. Those are friends. And, and, and then I drop my boat beside them every day. So I don't want to put them out of business, right? But I do want a flourishing fishery. And there's, there's certain things that they do to make their living, you know, say gill nets or whatever. So, yeah, I do, to answer your question, I do find myself in a pretty tough spot because, you know, I call people family who, who have dropped a gill net to pay their bills and to feel, feed their family. But at the end of the day, they, you know, they, yes, they need to be out of the water. But with the whole um, trout situation, right, I have so many questions, and I'm sure I'm just probably guilty of um, – not doing enough research or whatever, but it's daunting, right, when they post an eight-hour video. Like, you want to be caught up? You need to watch the meetings you missed. So I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm diligent, I'm motivated, and I'll, it's eight hours of YouTube video. I'm like, oh, God, I'll just ask a buddy. <laughs> and um, But I'm curious about the equation for the recreational quota. I don't know, did they, did they hit on that? Like, when, when they say they're going to – the recreational people are going to meet a quota. I have so many questions about how how that is going to be obtained. Did they touch on that at all? So, Lo- is logbooks? Are they going to the logbook thing again? I tell you what they told us is uh, all those questions will be answered at the next meeting by their economist who has all those answers. <laughs> Stressful job there. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, because what I, I'm not going to be 100 percent against um, the quota, but. I will be 100% against it if it's, if it's false data, right? I would also like to see the definition of um, their mortality rate. You know what I'm saying? Because you can string a, a sentence together, but and then if you go and define all those words, we have two different understandings. So I guess that's where I come from. Um, another thing is, of course, they look 100% clean on the mortality rate. Um, a 14-inch fish can swim through a legal gill net. We know this. The only thing large getting, mesh. Yeah, a large mesh. So not a small mesh. No, you're you're right about that. And um so obviously, yeah, they they're gonna um drop that in the creek and they're gonna only have legal fish and they're not gonna throw any back. Um but I don't think the answer is for us to start killing all our fish so our mortality rate looks better either. Um but I I think a slot is good. You know what I mean? I think that's that'll be great. But I also understand that um if we did a slot, that would cause, you know, obviously that would be enforced with commercial fishing. And then they would then have a mortality rate. They think it would be good for the fishery that then you would have um, speckled trout that used to just die that are going to be thrown back and then they'll have a mortality rate. And there'll be a new issue. And three years from now, we're going to be at Judd's house having a conversation about that. Um, so to answer your question and without actually answering your question, my head's in a thousand different spots at one time. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I, my, my heart lies with the fishery, but I also believe that the commercial man and the God have that in common, right? So we, yeah. we both want the fishery to flourish. We both want to feed our families on the water. Um, I just think some of their equipment needs to change. And I think the mindset of the angling community in North Carolina needs to change, to be honest with you. It does not need to be recreational versus commercial. You know what I mean? And I'm guilty of it. Don't get me wrong, dude. I I worked through tackle shops my high school career and a little before, and it is sit around the coffee pot like, well, these commercials did this, da ba ba ba. And then I go to, you know, the the blue collar commercial guys, and they're like, well, all these fun fishermen and all these guides, like, and and both of them are right. So, 
I think if we just got on the same page and then and come to the board, right, because we should not be mad at each other. We should be mad at the state with the way they managed it. If we come to them and be like, look, this is, we want this managed this way. And um, But I, that's that's a far-fetched idea. But that's what I would love to see, and that's kind of where my opinion is. I think that um, I'm all for a commercial guy. I think their equipment needs to change. But yeah, I think some of our equipment could stand to change too. So um I hope I book a trip after this podcast. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> that was brave. <laughs> I, no, I absolutely agree. I've um, I've apparently taken on the moniker of the woke guide recently because I've because I don't point the finger enough at the commercial anglers and and the fact is that you know anybody who's not taking care of this resource, you know, that they're at fault just as much as anybody else. And everybody wants to point the finger here. And I think um, the more time you spend on the water around these commercial guys. And I bet you every single one of us has been saved by a crabber who's one of terrible days come by and go, there's 3,000 pounds of drum over in that creek there. You know, right. Ain't it funny? They don't and tell it, you a number. Like, no. we'll talk to each other like 300 fish over there. Yeah. They're like 200 pounds. I know. It's like, are those 10-pound or 1-pound fish? <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, like, I, I, you know, I have no problem with commercial fishing. And I think 99% of recreational anglers have no problem with commercial fishing. I, I think we just have problems with methods that are causing waste uh, on that's stuff right. that's not being targeted mm-hmm. and that's just a changing the the way we fish it's no different than us going hey we don't need six treble hooks on all of our lures to catch fish there's there's better methods right sure. it's the same thing with with gill nets um but yeah i just uh i think this this in our little miniature fishing world this whole commercial versus recreational pitted against each other stuff it sounds like a little version of basically government politics in the United yeah. States the last few years. <laughs> and it's, just, you know, where we're, we're so much pointing the finger at each other. We're not actually looking at the whole thing above that's us. Right. That's yeah. causing all the trouble. Yeah. You know, it's sure. getting to the point where just like you said, the government thing, like I'm willing to get behind something, not because I believe in it, just because it's, it's against that group of people. Yeah. Right. And I, I just think that's, that's problematic. Yeah. Um, that's very true. Like I said, I, and I know that's not a popular opinion, but Growing up and working beside and like calling these people family, even though that our two groups of people, our two tribes, are against each other at these meetings. So definitely find myself in a in a tough spot from time to time. But at the end of the day, to answer your question, I'm, I'm I want to be for the fishery. I want there to be you know more fish, healthy fish, whatever that looks like. Yeah, I, I'm I agree with everybody. I think the two, I I think the slot. I mean, that's something I've been trying to enforce even before that was even a conversation the whole release over 20 idea you know even putting slots on other fish or stripers i mean that would that we don't have that issue here but we can't keep any stripers but stripers flounder i mean different fish like that the big breeders it does not hurt to let them go i mean it's yeah. very very little meat uh, you know at the end that adds to the pile of trout meat if you keep a 25 versus a 20 you know yeah but I will say, and I'm, I didn't mean to interrupt you by any means. No, that's all right. But, but it seems like you did. I'm just kidding. Just be quiet. <laughs> um, I think what I'm hearing at the boat ramp when the release 20 com- conversation comes up is that they're like, why would I release that straight into a net? They're like, I watched the net boat come in right after me. No, I, I've heard that too, like, but I, it stands a more fighting chance if it's in the water. Exactly. That, that's my argument. That's exactly it's like, yeah, it might go going. swim into a net right when you let it go, but it, it's definitely – not going to live if you throw it in your life well. So. That, was, yeah. that was spoke about pretty heavily at the meeting, too. It's, yeah. You know, you're going to release it here, and it's going to go right into that net, and right. it's getting killed either way. Right. So. I, I think that's the problem, man. I, I, I mean, 
it's just like they're right. It's overfished altogether. There's too much pressure on these fish. And um, the other thing, though, that that plays into that, it you know, the slot size or whatnot, it plays into the whole idea of it. In my opinion, is I really feel like they need to manage different estuaries and fisheries differently here in North Carolina because we have a very vastly different coastline. So the Pamlico and you know Wrightsville, Southport to Topsail Island. Are so they're so different. I mean, uh, a gill nets are so much more detrimental in the tight quarters of of the marsh from where y'all are down to where I am than they are up on the Pamlico Sound. There's a lot of opportunity for fish to swim around gill nets. There's you know there's not here, and, and maybe even seasons for gill netting. Like when those trout are making big moves in, maybe they, they shouldn't be netting around the inlets, and they maybe they shouldn't be allowed to go net in the deep holes and the backs of creeks in the wintertime. So. And then the strike netting too, like the dropping a net and idling around it and, and whatnot is, is, I mean, I'm, I'm not against, I said the commercial fishermen, but when you can go drop a net and, and get a school of 200 trout to swim into it, I'm not saying that happens every time, but it, I, you look at some, I've, I've seen some aerial photos of schools of trout coming through the inlets where it's like a wave of like 500 fish coming down a bank and it's, you know, you got a net there. That's pretty detrimental to a very large population of fish. So I think manage it, managing different estuaries separately, um, which is a lot of work probably, you know, it's easy to say that and it sounds good, but it's probably really tough to do. Um, and then, you know, seasons, I'm not against seasons, you know, but I think that needs to be across the board. I don't know. I, well, I'm kind of like I'm probably going to get chewed out after this podcast, anyways. But a lot of work or not, your job is your job. <laughs> and your I, job I just want the resource. The to, I want the resource to survive. You yeah. know, none of us are going to have jobs or the opportunity right. to go out and interact with those fish if we don't protect them. So. Yeah, exactly right. How would you break it up, coastline to coastline, from Virginia to South Carolina? What would you say the the demarcation lines, for lack of better terms, is? I don't know. I think all your major coastal rivers could be managed separately. And then, you know, the big sounds could be managed separately. I mean, that's a lot of different management systems, but, um, and then your, your, your thin interior coastline South could be managed a little bit differently. Yeah. But the problem, unfortunately, just every answer comes with another complaint when right. you do stuff like right. that. Yeah, you know, I think about the, you know, up in New Bern on the Noose River, um, there's the, the line between the coastal waters and the right. joint in, inland waters is basically the bridge. And so you can put in at the ramp and you're in the coastal waters and you go under the bridge and now you're in the the fresh waters. And there's a, like for striped bass, I don't know if it's the same as it was, but it, a couple of years ago, there was a different keeper and size limit. So if you went on one side of the bridge and then when you got your cooler full of fish, if you were heading back to the ramp, you couldn't stop on the way back because if you got checked on the way back, you were over your limit. Right. So, you know, that's, yeah. there's, there's always, there's a, every time you come up with a plus, there's another negative. And I think that's why it's so hard to make decisions. Yeah, on things for sure. Like this. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And I haven't even really even thought about that, but, but that is the trouble, you know, it's the, the way that fish interact and, and, and move and exist can be so vastly different in just a short stretch of coastline here in North right. Carolina. Yeah. In yeah. a lot of places, but definitely North Carolina. I mean, that's, You've got, it's where you, you know, your big open sounds kind of transition into coastal marsh for, for quite a while where there's not too many big, big bays. Yeah. So, um, or, or sounds, if you will, but I don't know. I mean, there's, it, it's frustrating. What, what did you feel like was, was the out, how do you feel like the recreational angler felt after the meeting last night? Um, <laughs> it, as probably, probably just as frustrated as they were before the meeting, um, but probably felt a little bit more justified in saying that they think that 
the division probably doesn't actually care about their their comments. I mean, they yeah. they kind of just I don't I don't know that this was really what happened, but I think just with the limiting of the time, the cutting the people off. Um, not answering the questions. I think they went home just in a shoot. I've seen on Facebook today, all the comments, like they're like, this just proves that they already had their, you know, they're just, it's a dog and pony show right now. And, and they don't really care what we think they've already made their mind up. So I don't know that that's true or not. I, I, I come from a marine biology background. So I think there probably is some science and they probably do care to a point. Um, I mean, you but, become a marine biologist and work there because you do probably care about the fishery, yeah. at least to start out. Yeah, except for then there's huge amounts of politics that goes into it, and that's yeah. what kind of poisons the whole system. So it, nobody really knows. They, nobody left there feeling good about anything, unfortunately. <laughs> there were uh, there were a lot of people standing out the door whenever they locked the door just smoking cigarettes and rumbling. So yeah. it was uh, <laughs> Sounds like a good time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a bar. They, uh, they openly said that something is happening just what that something is nobody knows yet so there's still a lot of confusion yeah but yeah i mean i, I would there's say no people. clarification that came mm-hmm. from from mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. so we've got a meeting tomorrow night yeah. here in wilmington so i'm excited to see how that that plays out get i didn't there, know get with, there early and get your name on the speaking list early yeah, yeah. i think i was i'm gonna you get you to 25th? email me a speech tonight yeah <laughs> you can read the half the other half that i couldn't read in my team okay yeah i'll do it tag team we were 25th and 26th to speak, and we only had a couple after us before they shut it down. Yeah. Wow. So, The last meeting that I went to, this was a funny, <laughs> this is a funny story. So we drove up, drove up to Newburn. It was me, Ozzy, Cameron. Um, do you remember this? Yeah. Was yeah, that we when we there. saw y'all there? I don't, I can't remember. Was that the big convention center? No, this was not big convention center. This was at the hotel. Was it deal. a hotel? Yeah, it wasn't the convention I'm, center. I think you know Zane was with you. Zane came, you, Cameron, Alan Kane. Or you were there. You didn't yeah, ride with us. Yeah, I don't think us. I rode with you so guys. So none of y'all know this story. This is great. So I saw you in the lobby. <laughs> I had diarrhea that day on the boat. <laughs> like, and it was just like, oh, I had diarrhea. Like, okay, no big deal. You know, I just thought I ate something weird. When we're driving up there, I'm like, we're halfway there, and I'm like, I get like the kind of cold sweats for a little bit. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I feel real nauseous. So we stopped. I go blow this random bathroom up. And then get back in the car, get there, feeling better, sit down. They're, everyone's signing up. I'm like, I can't sign up. I'm not signing up to talk, dude. I feel weird. <laughs> I do not feel good. So we go and sit down, and then I sit in there for like two minutes. I get up, run to the bathroom, am throwing up and diarying all over the toilet, all <laughs> on the floor. I had to clean it up with paper towels and stuff. And I was in there the entire meeting. And then got out, like, as it was ending, and everyone was walking out. I'm like, you guys, we got to go. So I make it almost all the way back home. And then we're – I lived off Middle Sound at that point. So a little bit further down market from here, and they had to pull over. And I'm, like, in this Medac parking lot just puking my brains out by this tree. Cameron's got a video of it. <laughs> but it was just, like, 24-hour stomach bug that hit me right when we were almost at that meeting. So it was, uh, to say the least, I hope the next – the meeting tomorrow goes a little bit better than that one. So, dude, I saw you in the lobby. Like, I saw you run out, and I'd already spoke. I was like, that was weird. Like, he, he literally ran out of here. <laughs> so, I got up. Penguin, I I, penguin I, waddle running? Yeah. Oh, my gosh, dude. It was like, oh, it's coming. I got up. I think I had to pee anyways. And I was like, where's Judd? Like, I got to poke my head in the lobby. I'm like, hey, homeboy, you good? He's like, stay right there. Don't get any closer. <laughs> I don't know what I have, but I have something. And, dude, you did not 
look good. No, I was, I was like, rough. You look. I was just miserable. chugging water, miserable. Like See, so far away from home and having to ride. I'm just. I just want to be in my bed. <laughs> Lesson <laughs> learned. Lesson no, learned. No more gas station burritos. Stick with the cheeseburgers now. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Depends what gas station. If I'm fishing a jig, you can bet it's going to be an I Strike Texas Eye. Dave and Ralph at iStrike have built the most versatile and durable lineup of jigs in the saltwater industry. Whether you need a finesse presentation on spooky wintertime redfish, or you need to hop a big swim bait on deep water structure for cobia and bull redfish, iStrike has the jig for you. Be sure to check out their website and use code EC10 for up to 40% off all iStrike products and 10% off all Z-Man products. The code can only be used at iStrikeFishing.com, and you can find the code and the link to their website in the podcast show notes. There is no stealthier platform to fish the shallow water flats, creeks, and marshes than a pedal drive kayak. The P127 from Bonafide is my choice when I want to get out on a solo trip and access the areas that I can't get to on a flat skiff or a bay boat. It happens far too often in a boat where I have redfish and plenty of water in the back of a creek or bay, but there's a sandbar or series of sandbars between me and the fish and I just can't quite make it to casting distance. But with a kayak, I can drag across the sandbar right to them. Be sure to check out the full lineup of Bonafide kayaks on the website or at Hook, Line, and Paddle here in Wilmington. I will have a link to the Bonafide website in the show notes as well. Yeah. So we, we've officially transitioned from the trout meeting to uh, worst guide diarrhea stories now. Oh, so yes, nice. dude. I, we could have an hour-long podcast with just me talking. Do so you I'm guys have a favorite first. sandbar that you like to go on? I'm not a sandbar guy. Man. Dude, I got this one spot in the creek that's a nice hard sand bottom surrounded by soft mud. And it's like, all right, I'm going to just. What tide do you prefer? Uh, low. low. Dead tide. low. Yeah. Cause Incoming or? Uh, well, it doesn't matter as long as it's low enough. It, you need a little current. Uh, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Oh, yeah. No, I need to definitely float away from me. Yeah. Uh, sure. Actually, there, I would probably assume outgoing to let it go. Yeah, because I'm going into the creek. So I need That's to, what I was getting yeah, at. Yeah. That's what I was getting at. Yeah. We definitely got some Louisiana diarrhea stories. Because, oh, I got some great yeah, photos. You're of two just, hours away from any bathroom. My best my best poop stories from Louisiana. But so I'll, I'll, I'll save it. I'll, I might bring it up later. But I, I want to hear you A quick one. A quick one in Louisiana. This was, uh, I was on the boat with Dallas and Simmons, and we were in this bay. And it was this pod, this needed to happen, by the way. This yeah. has never happened. A poop story is on the podcast. I mean, everybody's got a poop story. I'm right? honored. So we're Everyone in- was really respecting our opinions, from our, and now we're talking about poop immediately. So it's like, all right. So we were in this bay, and we had caught some great fish. And I don't know, it was, what, two feet in there? So you're just watching all these big bull redfish and black drum just tail. And uh, I had it hit me first. So, of course, I'm over by the bank. I'm pulling I'm, I'm pulling my tail right over here to the bank and go. So I do. And we get back to fishing, and uh, my buddy Dallas, I think, I think he was up on the bow, and we were like in the middle of the bay, just fish tailing all around us. He's like, "Perry, I gotta go." And I was like, "All right." And he's like, "No, no, no! Like, get down, get on the motor, go." I was like, "Dallas, there's like a hundred fish tailing right here around us. <laughs> like, I'm not gonna motor through this." And so I just pulled real quietly all the way to the bank, and he's just rod not even in his hand, doesn't care about this fish ten feet from him, just about to duke his pants. <laughs> And I think he dropped trowel and ran off the bow of the boat, just full Donald Duck, only shirt, no pants, just ran off and fell into the marsh. And our other buddy was just like basically puking, listening to him. Oh, so it was just a solid, funny. I just had to work real slow just to let oh, him boil gosh. for a second. I mean, I was that guy. Yeah, you were that guy. I don't know if I want to be on the boat with you for for ever. 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. At least after a night of beer is probably not. <laughs> All right, so I've got, mine's a, a client story. I don't usually tell client stories, um, but he'll re- remain unnamed. So a couple of years ago, I had a one gentleman that was fly fishing with me, and uh, we pulled up into a creek, and um, he got up on the platform, and he's, you know, I'm or the cast on platform, and I'm pulling along, and I look up, and he's kind of got, you know, those normal khaki, like, uh, quick dry pants on, and I look, and there's like a quarter size, like, <laughs> wet, wet <laughs> juicy brown spot, like dead center, oh, like a little bullseye, and I'm like, oh gosh. Did you touch it with the push pole? <laughs> I didn't say anything. Thing alive? <laughs> so, so, so we're going along, and I'm like, oh. so. You've got to stare at it. Yeah. So we're fishing. <laughs> we leave that creek, and we, we go to another spot. And uh, we run, and I'd climb up on the polling platform. He jumps up on the casting platform, and I look. And now it's the size of, like, a grapefruit. <laughs> so, oh, so it's gosh. growing, Is he right? acknowledging it at all? No, so that's, that's the whole mental g- – well, hold on. So then I look down at my seat below me, no. the cushion, oh. and there's a matching brown grapefruit-sized, wet, juicy, looks like Procure goo gel. And it wasn't Procure. It wasn't Procure. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Probably not. So anyway, I look up, and, you know, you have that conversation with yourself, like, okay – he knows something's going on. He probably thinks I don't know. He doesn't he knows, know the severity of the he issue. Doesn't, he doesn't know how uh, visible it is. So I'm like, going, do I say something to him and and embarrass him, or do I just not say anything and let him think that I don't know? And then he's gonna go get in his truck and go home, and then realize it was probably worse than you know. <laughs> so of course I, di- I didn't have the guts, so I did not say anything. So I just continued to watch it grow through the whole day. But I was imagining like. What did he have, like Lay's potato chips, you know, Taco right. Bell? Like, what, what caused this situation? Also, what was behind the curtain? <laughs> you know, was it like a little bit of a turd, or was it just some juice that was shot that out? The, the Titanic ice. Right. It's like, there, is there a turd in there? <laughs> there, there? There was no turtle head poking. It was just wet juice. Okay, gotcha. Okay, okay yeah. well, it could have just been like a little juicy shark. Yeah, yeah. that's true. I mean, yeah, or a couple true. of them. Yeah. But are that's you, you going to not now? So anyway, I believe for everybody. Did you kinda, use the stuff on your seat on the on the fly as a little pro? No, no, I did. Uh, I have bleached those seats and I actually got new seat cushions. So anybody fishing will be in the <laughs> future. Burn them. Yeah, don't don't worry about it. They're clean. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, so my Louisiana story. God, this is embarrassing, but here we go. So I was down there. My buddy Ben Chesney from Wilmington here used to always ride down with me for four or five days and fish before I'd guide for the season, and. We're down there. It's I think we had we had like maybe one good weather day, and it was blowing its butt off, like so bad that we were fishing like Hopedale Lagoon and stuff, like really close and idling down the canal. So we're idling down that canal to Hopedale Lagoon, if y'all know where that is, from the put in, and we're it's that long stretch of no wake with commercial docks on the side, and then like trees on the other side. And <laughs> y'all are laughing because you probably ran it too, but we'll tell you a little story later. Okay. <laughs> Um, so it's a no wake, if you will. And, and we're idling down it and I'm like, it hits me, you know, I've got to go to the bathroom right now. And so no big deal. You know, there's docks on one side, but there's woods right on the other side. So I'm like, Hey Ben, take the wheel, put me up on the bank. I'm going to wobble up in the trees and go to the bathroom. So I get out, I, I walk into the trees. I've got my phone in my right hand and I'm walking into the trees and I pull my pants down, squat down immediately. It's like, five million mosquitoes around me mm-hmm. just thousands and thousands of mosquitoes <laughs> feeling them biting my legs already all over my butt so i just start swatting i'm like freaking it. oh that is the air compressor cutting on that forgot, scared the bejesus forgot, out of me forgot dude. to unplug that sorry guys that is the first time this has happened it'll cut off in three two one 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 <laughs> 
It'll cut off. Hold point, on. Point Hold on, guys. Five. That's the longest it's ever ran. Maybe this is the stressed, most stressed out I've ever been because of it. There we go. I All did right. it. One. <laughs> One. So that might be really loud in your car if you were listening. Um, but... I jump out. The mosquitoes are all over me. I start swatting at them as quick as I can, just trying to fit. And it wasn't a bad poop or anything like that. It was just I just had to go to the bathroom. And I'm climbing back on the boat, and Ben's like, dude, what is all over you? <laughs> and I had swatted my poop off my butt onto my phone and just smeared it all over my shirt and my legs. And, I mean, I had poop smears all over my body. And look at my phone. It's, like, caked on the corner of my phone. And I, that was, I took the shirt off and fished without a shirt on for the rest of the day. <laughs> and that was it. But it was, uh, that's probably my best, my best fishing story. There. I'll give you a little, t- uh, little tip about those mosquitoes I learned in Alaska. If you take a little wad of toilet paper and twist it up real tight yep. and light it on fire to where it just kind of smolders real slow, just throw it right underneath you while you squat, the smoke will keep them off your uh, Really? Your that is smart. Yeah, because those mosquitoes up there, you know, they're they'll carry you away. They're huge. Yeah, that and, might uh, be the best tidbit I've ever heard. You got to twist it tight, or else it'll burn too quick, and you're going to be like, go 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 go. <laughs> so just twist. If you it. got some hangers, it might be dangerous. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's good. Oz, you got a good one, dude. I, I I was like going through my head. I was fortunate, right? So for, I have first year guiding, I didn't have a single female that asked me to have to go to the bathroom because I was like, what am I going to do? I, I later learned. Let them go in the live well and then turn your aerator on, right? So it just flushes it. Second year went by. I was like, no one's still, no one's asked me to poop yet. And, um, but anyways, we crossed that bridge. I was thinking, listening to the guys, I was like, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate. Like, it's not a common occurrence. But my, my best story of pooping on the water is actually in a tournament, probably. I was in a one-man tournament. It was a trout tournament. I had my four. Um, on trout note, it was a catch release tournament. Let the record show. But <laughs> um, I had my four, and I had to go. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to anchor up. Tide's going out. I was in this little creek. I went and did what I had to do. And um, I got some of my underwear, right? Long story short. And I was like, well, I got to ditch these too. And I was a turd, and I shouldn't have, but I was like, I don't know what to do with them. I'm throwing the water. Nobody's going to see these, right? They'll sink. They wrapped up in your prop, didn't they? <laughs> no. <laughs> I fished for another two hours. Old boy come up the creek, and I was leaving. I forgot it. I pooped. And he was like, some <laughs> blah, 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 pooped and put his toilet, and it's all floating around that bed. I'm like, who would do that? <laughs> Denied it, dude. I was like, that's disgusting. I was like, oh, God, get out of the creek, get out of the creek. <laughs> that's awesome. That's, I guess that's my best one. Have y'all heard the... I'm going to have to put the poop stories in the title of the podcast, I'm pretty sure, because some people are going to be shocked when they get to it. Um, but have you all heard, like, the urban myth? I've heard it from too many guides to be, like, for it to be it's anyone's story that I know. But And I've told it as my own on guide trips before. So if you're a client that's listening to this, I'm sorry that I lied to you. <laughs> but um, the story of my buddy Adam DeBruin in the Keys told me for the first time, he's like, man, so I had these two ladies. We were fishing the Everglades. We were tarpon fishing. We'd seen some bull sharks, and the ladies didn't want to get out into the water to to go to the bathroom. They had to pee, and they didn't. I didn't want to go up on the mangroves because the mosquitoes would have been bad. So I, I was like, hey, let me just flip the lid up. You pee in the live well. I'll flush it out and be good to go. So they did that. Long story short, gets home, pops the live well open. There's a big dump sitting in the live well, and 
but I've heard that from too many people. But does, have you all heard that story? I have heard yeah. it. Okay. I may have actually heard it from Adam. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably what it was then. So I'm going to tell you a fun little one on uh, about the females in the bathroom. I'll pull up on my phone just so you can see this. I'm listening, but I'm going to go pee out the door real quick. I'll That's right fine. Back. You might need to use one of these. Have you ever heard of a she-wee? Oh, she-wee. Yeah. And go-girls. Yeah, go-girls too. It's a she-wee, so it's like this little silicone funnel that they just, boop, right there. Oh, my just goodness. just stand up, hang it off the side of the boat, and go. Then, uh, do you carry one? Uh, no, because uh, I don't want to deal with that, but I recommend them to any female <laughs> client. Is uh, Oh, if you uh, are interested, if you do a lot of traveling, hiking, things like that to make your life easier, you should check out a she-wee. Will Soundside carry she-wees? Uh, I don't think I'll be a vendor of those, but uh, <laughs> I'll, keep, I'll keep it on my maybe list. <laughs> Put your logo on it. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. Soundside she-wees. That's Gosh. like a tongue twister. <laughs> Say that like five times fast. I'm surprised it come out right the first time. Uh, I'll give you a cookie for that one. <laughs> really excited to see what title Judd comes up with for this show. After oh, we're done. man, that, that that's a daunting task, <laughs> the, the variety of topics. But um, I've never had anybody take a dump in the live well. But a five gallon bucket works well too. On the when so, we go near shore, I keep a five gallon bucket half full of water. Call it the thunder bucket. Yeah, absolutely. Kaboom. Yep. Hashtag I, Yeti. Now <laughs> they should have named it the thunder bucket. <laughs> now have have you had somebody be like, I think I gotta pee and then dump in the bucket? Oh no, they just straight up tell me that they're dumping in the bucket. So that has happened. And oh, I've, I, I've had dumps on the boat, sure. And I had to I I didn't know if like I didn't know if they knew they did, right? So they sat down to pee and like did they know they pooped a little bit? <laughs> so I just was like, "Holly, that is unlucky." Yeah, I was like, "That's yeah. unlucky." No. I mean, I feel like it's similar, right? Yeah, the Thunder Bucket. But I, I didn't know they were called Thunder Buckets until I was uh, on a guided duck hunt one time, and I'm talking about he was in like born and raised in Curry Tuck, and uh, he was like, "Now, if anybody needs a Thunder Bucket, you just let me know." And I was like. I'm intimidated to ask what a thunder bucket is. Some striking paper. <laughs> like, some striking paper. I, I was afraid, like, it was one of those jokes, like, you know what I mean? If you do, if you're like, oh, what's the thunder bucket? And then, like, some prank gets pulled on you. I had to poop, right? And I was like, I don't know what this is. Like, I don't know what to do. I got to poop. And didn't think about thunder bucket. And uh, later on, they filled me in. They're like, no, that's what the bucket's for, you dummy. And I was like, I squeezed my cheeks for eight hours, and there was a thunder bucket. Like, why didn't you say, "Hey, if you need to poop, go here"? <laughs> That's awesome. That's uh, yeah, the old thunder bucket, man. I've never, I, I've, I've actually, I have had to use a five gallon bucket one time, but it had like the toilet seat conversion. Mm-hmm. It was like a camping one, which was pretty nice. But my only other, we'll get off the poop stories. I got one more good one that was me with a client. I got so many. <laughs> We're not going to talk I had about one this today. anymore. But wait. <laughs> um, but here's here here here's how it went down. So it was first thing in the morning. Had a coffee. Got to the first spot. It was this time of year. It was like late winter, early spring. Schooling redfish, pulling through this slough, and I'm like, oh my gosh, gotta go to the bathroom like right now. And I had had just met the guy like 12 minutes ago, <laughs> and uh, I don't fish that close to the boat ramp often. All right, guys. So, um, but it was uh, I'm pulling down the slough, and I'm like, man, I gotta go to the bathroom. I'm I'm gonna pull the boat over here to the grass real quick. I don't think he really knew what I was saying. So I get to the grass. It's about to come out. And so I'm like run into the front, kind of push him out of the way, jump off the bow into the grass, and I can't make it like 10 feet, and I had to pull my pants on and just start crapping. He's still standing on the bow right there. And he's like, oh, oh, my goodness. And turns just around. Just making eye contact. Yeah, and, and we, we, I get back on the boat. I'm, like, I'm so sorry. My, I had some Nike, Nike freeze on covered in mud. 
I mean, just I didn't have any time to do it. I mean, I had to just get off the boat immediately. So we get back on. I've got mud all over the deck of the boat. We've been fishing. We've been together for like 20 minutes already. And this, he's like, this guy's psychotic. <laughs> he's probably told this story more than I have. <laughs> and we go to, I think, I don't think we'd had a great day either. I think we caught, maybe caught a fish. I honestly can't remember. Oh, you and I've never heard, day. I've never heard from again. So it's, uh, <laughs> oh, our, we're trying to film this, but I don't I, I'm going to have to do some more troubleshooting, but. So all right, that's that's it for the poop stories. Unless anybody has has anything else, I want to another topic that is going to be a little maybe controversial is uh, fishing pressure. We we talked about it with with uh, you know with the um, speckled trout. But what is everyone's take on what inshore fishing has become? I would let's say since COVID and since and even before that, if you want to. But but new guides, new anglers, you know the the buzz of you know, being an inshore angler because of social media, none of it necessarily bad, but what's everyone's kind of take on, on that? Well, this is actually a poop story. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. What do you got, Mr. John? Uh, well, I'm sure this will we'll be our, our, our last talk. Yeah, well, maybe not, but we'll, we'll talk a lot about it. I'll just start by saying in a nutshell, I don't like it. And yeah. I've just got to now going forward. We've just got to figure out how to work around that. And we're just going to get better and better and better as guides and as anglers because it is very obvious that the pressure is increasing. Um, and, you know, in general, just boats on the water, boats at the ramp, uh, just more people buying the type of skiffs that I've fished for years that I thought I had certain places to myself. And now there's a lot of other boats that float in five or six inches of water. And, uh, you know, the this winter alone has just been a, a real eye opener of like how much the pressure is growing because um, 10 years ago, like I didn't see maybe one, it might be like one local guy in a John boat out there fishing winter redfish. And now, you know, I'll go out of the ramp and there's 10 other boats and they all know what they're doing and they can see you from a half mile away up on the platform. So it's, you know, if you're anywhere for more than 30 minutes, an hour, you know, whether they know those fish are there or not, they know it at that point. So um, I just, same thing with tailing fish in the summertime. You know, the flats, it's hard to hide on a tailing flat. So um, you just, it seems like you got to run farther and farther and you got to find one more farther than the ones right. those guys are fishing. Right. And it's just, and, you know, at least for me, like I'm pretty busy where, not just with guiding, but with everything else where it's hard for me to go and constantly try to spend the time it takes to properly scout out new locations. Not just scout new locations, but find new locations that are producing right. enough to take my clients to them to stay on top of that. So, you know, not even looking at like how the pressure affects the fishing, just finding fishing spaces alone. Um, that's, that's becoming tougher and tougher every, every year I go. For out. sure. For sure. I, I, it's such a tough, you know, pill to swallow because it's like, I don't want to come across. I mean, and I, I, I love mooring. I love people getting into the outdoors and fishing. I mean, we need that. We, ha we can't survive if people aren't doing it. And it, it's such a tough sword because it's like I want everyone to experience what I love and I want to share, but I also don't want it to hurt. You know what I mean? And, and I don't want to be the selfish guy that's like, hey, that's, you know, I want to have everything to myself and I also want everyone to enjoy it. So it's, it, for me, it's this double-edged sword of of where do we draw the line? And I feel like in the, I've caught a lot of heat over the past few years of the podcast and teaching. And, you know, I always try to explain to people that my goal behind it, one is marketing for my business. But two, if, if people are going to get into fishing, if we can teach them to be successful on their own, 
they're going to be much more conservation minded that's than right. people that are going to be handed information. Yep. So that that's kind of a teaching point that I come back to a lot on the podcast is like, how can I, if I mean, whether I do the podcast or not, there's gonna be a lot more people getting into fishing. How can I help guide them into the right direction as far as an angler goes? Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of, I, 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 I for where we are pretty much anywhere on the whole freaking East and Gulf coast is probably overpressured fishing wise. But you know, is it, yeah, maybe if it, people are on your on your school of fish, but if we're if we're all conservation minded, ready to stand up for the resource, it could be beneficial in, in the long term. But also, it does hurt, you know, when it's a Saturday and there's 15 skiffs in a 12 mile range and three schools of redfish. That's when That's it does right. suck. So I think you, you I I feel like just my observation, um, watching the fishing pressure increase. Now I don't, I'm not as old as you guys are by any means. A bunch you of young old whippers. <laughs> That's a lot. Are bunch you of, 16 yet? But <laughs> a bunch of old parts. Taking a metamucil. <laughs> but I could see, you know. That's my bedtime. <clears throat> um, I, just, I think we were talking, like, I pulled up to a flat. I was like, man, I was skipping high school to fish this flat, right? And I can see a difference in, in my, you know, decade of, of fishing. So I, I can imagine um, what some of the, and even guys above you guys and myself have seen um, so I hesitate to be like, oh, this fishing pressure. Cause like, oh gosh, you know, I'm still a young dude in this game, but I still see it. But one thing I've observed in watching the fishing pressure increase, like you were saying, is conservation's cool again, yeah. and that's awesome. Sure, it plays into the division thing that we were talking about uh, earlier, but I think we'll see a turn in that too. But it, I think there, there, it sucks because we've all been beat to a flat before. But it also is like, man, conservation's cool again. I think having a release over 20 sticker on, on your windshield is cool. And, and so there's benefits from it, but I think it's, it, there's more that goes into fish and pressure uh, and everybody being conservation minded. I think you have a responsibility once you become a successful angler and that can look like anything, like you found a school of fish, however you found it, which is a different conversation. You, you immediately assume a responsibility of being more than just conservation minded, but being a steward of it. Yeah, I think if we were to see people be stewards of the fishery, then um, and maybe that just plays into being conservation minded. But I think it, we we could see a different fishery. I really do, and I mean um, not catching twenty out of the fifty redfish um, and sitting on them for seven hours or, or whatever the tide allows you to do that. And if you do sit that long, don't do it the next four days. You know what I mean? That's just not being a steward of the fishery. Um, but there's the argument to be made, like, so you get a day, I get a day, you get a day, and he gets a day. The fish got hit four, four days in a row anyways. So I, yeah. I'm not saying I have a solution, but I, I try really hard to be a steward and, and handle the fish properly. And You know what I mean? It all ties in together. But, um, yeah, fish, fish and pressure sucks, but there's other fisheries that, um, you know, the, the, what's the saying? The cream rises to the top. Like the good guys are going to learn how to catch pressured fish. So. Yeah. I want everyone else to be so conservation minded that when they run past a massive school of fish with clients on the boat or their friends, they're like, there's a huge school there, but huh, we're not going to go fishing. We're going to go look for some other fish. That way I can go fishing. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So you've no, got to figure it out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it's uh, yeah, it's a tough, I mean, I think the real evil of it all is, is internet. I mean, it's, it's the best part and the worst part. And from the beginning, and, and and we're all guilty. It's this it's this vicious cyclone that we can't fight because we've got to be a part of it to win or to succeed anymore. But ever since the internet came about, it it allowed overexposure of everything: fishing, hunting, basketball. I mean, you know, 
anything that you can think of. And it made it easy for people to see things that they might've never done and realize yeah. like, I would like doing that, you know, mm -hmm. as opposed to before I couldn't get on Instagram and be like scrolling around like, Oh my gosh, I, I keep, I really think elk hunting looks cool. I'm going to start going out. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you just don't know it, it. You had to, it was so much harder to find things that you might be interested in, you know, 15 years ago, as yeah. opposed to now I can kind of know what everyone does and every hobby in the whole world. And I mean, it's just, it, it, it which is good and bad. I mean, it's a great way to market, but it's it, the, the heavy pushing of and really strategic marketing now it's like i mean it, it pushes so much pressure on anything yeah i think um it once money becomes involved in it mm -hmm. whether that's you know a money tournament or it's uh advertising your business your guide service or whatever you're trying to sell to people then you it, i don't think you focus as much on the resources some people don't and that's what bothers me and I think Judd and I, and and I'll be good because we've already probably gotten ourselves in a bunch of trouble on this podcast. I'll say <laughs> names. Judd and I had a conversation the other day about um, I saw somebody from somewhere uh, posting <laughs> a YouTube tutorial on redfish and topsail, and he was on Google Earth, and you know he was showing exactly where the schools were the day right. before. I mean, he was going. I went down this creek. You can cut across this channel right here. There's 300 fish in here. And I just, I, I decided at that point, like, I would cut all ties with, with that, those, the people doing that because it was just something to make money. It's like you have to draw a line somewhere right. and you go, okay, like, it, it's one thing what we all do as guides and podcast hosts or whatever as far as educating people and putting them on the right path so that they can go out there and learn themselves. It's another thing to hand the keys to the place when they don't have the skills. They don't even understand how to approach those fish or how to go in there and, and, and treat them right so that they'll be there the next day. So, right. and and especially when it's not just it's not like when, you know we we take one or two people at a time and we show them somewhere and every once in a while somebody's gonna have a boat and go back to that place. It's another thing to broadcast it for you know a thousand, five thousand, ten thousand people to see it and go, hey, there's three hundred fish here and the next day there's twenty people and they're trying to pressure those fish. Those fish are hiding in those ponds in the wintertime for protection they're trying right. to hide from the dolphins and they're trying to mm -hmm. hide from the eagles and, and mm -hmm. otters and all that stuff and it's like that's just you know th there's a certain point where it does cross the line yeah um I, I know there's a lot of stuff that probably ticks us off as anglers and guides we're like oh man I don't know. but really that crosses the line yeah there's, yeah. there's a certain the thing that crosses the line officially crosses the line and, that, yeah. and that's that's just pushing it too for much. sure and i'm not even afraid to say it i'm gonna say it so say it the it's salt strong and and i have friends in salt strong i think they do some awesome stuff but the spot burning is i mean it is literally selling fishing spots for for a profit you know and and the, their big argument there is oh you know it's not spot oriented like it's all trends you know the spots change that is bs mm -hmm. it, there is there's definitely that plays a trend fish do move around but if anyone knows anything about redfish they are creatures of habit that come back to the same areas year after year after year and so, to, I mean, it is, it, it's a vicious, it's it, salt strong. I, I, I really like the guy's hearts there. I mean, I, I have some friends over there, but I will come out and straight up say that, that the, the spot, the, the satellite maps, the AI technology to learn all the fishing spots in an area, like it's a bunch of garbage. It really is. It's, it's making money off of exploiting a resource that's already fragile. Yeah. You know, especially those schools of fish, you're giving that to how many people that, that don't, now, if you go out there and find it yourself, you, you've earned it. You care more right. about it than if someone just hands it to you and you can go out there and beat up on it. I'm even all about, like, teaching people 
how to go find not not fully, but like, hey, this is what you got to look for. This is what you got to sure. do. Pointing them in the right direction, being a friendly helper, helping them fall in love with the outdoors, but to just give them the whole freaking pie yeah. with no with no idea of what's you know what's to I mean how to I don't know. It's, it's there has to be some. They have to have some skin in the game to respect that, and it's <clears throat> it's just like you know we always talk about. Oh, well, this guy. You know, his parents gave him this and that growing up, and he doesn't respect it because he didn't have to pay for it. It's the same thing with these, for these sure. fish. Like, if if somebody's just giving them to you, you're going to go in there without putting in all that effort, and you're just going to, like I said, you're going to sit on that school till there's nothing left of right. them. And the thing is, like, you're not only disrespecting that school of fish, but you're probably also disrespecting two or three other anglers who probably put in the time and are already fishing that school of fish that they're going to go back the next day to catch, you know, two fish out of that school of 300. They're going to wonder why all their fish are gone, and they don't realize it was broadcast across the internet for the whole United States to see. Right, right. and and the sucky thing too is it's a it, it's this company out of Florida that doesn't understand the 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 stress that this fishery is going through right now, and to add all that extra stress to it, and, you know, it's like it's just not fair. I mean, I feel like if you want to give up fishing spots, they need to be your own fishing spots right there. I mean, not that it should happen, but it's like uh, some massive company benefiting off of exploiting a fishing spot that's you know 15 hours away is 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 messed up so yeah it's it's i don't know how anyone can argue it either i don't know how anyone can argue against that it's such a fad and i like and you can take it back to the whole social media thing but especially the inshore shallow water specific red fishing it's it's cool it's, it's such a fad right now uh you know you're seeing more skiffs on the water there's just you know john was talking about earlier and there was no skiffs when he first started. I think I was probably the second most consistent pulling skiff out there. Hell, I was fishing the other day. Excuse me. Heck, I was fishing the other day. <laughs> hell, hell, I'll let hell slide. <laughs> I was, John and I were on a charter the other day, and I pulled into the spot that I'd been on some fish. I'm sure everybody else has been on there too. And I squatted, and I saw somebody pulling, and I was like, John, is that you over here? Like, I thought you were fishing this other area. And he goes, oh, no, that's probably Ozzy. He's over there. I was like, that's son of a biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> no. But it, it's such hey, a. Hey, thank you for saying biscuit. Yeah, absolutely. She's <laughs> crackers. But it, it's such a fad, and that whole social media is making it a cool thing to do. That yeah, it's awesome. More people. It is are, cool. It, that's it, the thing. It is, it is cool. Like, uh, but I'm not arguing with you. No, no, no. It, it is cool. I mean, hence that's why we all do it for a living. Uh, we enjoy it. We love it. It's cool. And uh, yeah, and it, it's just so much fun that it's just exploded. Yeah. To where now it's. You, you go to, you've got, let's say you've got a half dozen flats and all of a sudden a tail and redfish, the coolest thing this person's ever seen, and him and 62 of his other buddies are going to go there and you're like, well, F that. Right. You know? It's, right. Yeah. That's the tough thing. It's not like basketball. Like basketball can handle a lot of pressure because it's yeah. not relying on this, this other, resource. you know, resource, this living thing that has a mind and has to, you know, reproduce and has to eat. And I mean, it's, I mean, I wish Instagram focused more on basketball. Maybe it does for some people. <laughs> That's not what's in my feed. Right. But, but again, it's like I, I want everyone to enjoy the outdoors. Yeah. I, I want everyone to have that because it has been such a special place to me. It's kept me out of so much trouble in my life as a kid. And, and it's something that everyone deserves to experience. But that's I, I don't think there's ever a right answer. You know yeah. what I mean? Like when you really boil it, boil it down – it's like there there are right things to do. There's lines that can be crossed, but there's nothing wrong with every single person in the world buying a flat skiff and fishing, mm-hmm. like realistically, but it's not something I want to happen. Yeah. It's not gonna happen, but that that's that's just the that's the trouble of the whole 
situation. Well, so. What you get into is you get people who, instead of enjoy just fishing and going out there for the hunt, you know, right. to find this and gain that intellectual property, fishermen are fishing for other fishermen. Right. And it's like, oh, there's somebody over there. Like, I'm going to go check that mess. I can't tell you how many times I've been pulling a creek or a flat or a bay. Have drones buzz over you? Uh, I, I mean, I've had a drone a couple times. We, but don't, we don't have a ton of drone area. We're so close to a marine base that it is a, uh, oh, gosh. <laughs> anyway, you so fish I, think I, just, I think I just lost two friends. <laughs> I think I just that, lost two friends. Long, long walk back to your house. Yeah, golly. I was just going to say I'm thankful that we're not in a drones, drone area. Well, there's a lot of non-drone areas down here, too. Oh, yeah. there's really? a lot. Yeah. State parks and all that stuff. Yeah. I was talking yeah. about the river. <laughs> uh, you get it, and I can't tell you how many times where, you know, I look back and you see this skiff here and that boat there, and you just catch this little flash. And you're like, that son of a gun just glassed me. And he's sitting there watching me with binocs. Like, I've, I've posted it to my social media, like, hey, clown face. That's a polite way to say it. But it's like. That's German for bin- binocular boy. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> but it's like, why are you going to sit there and look and glass me and watch what I'm doing with binocs? Like, I'm over here. You're just going to come in after me because you saw somebody here. You want to see if my rod's bent or if we're netting or taking a picture, whatever. You know, it's. Go do it yourself. Have fun. Enjoy it. That's mm-hmm. the whole point of the outdoors is to experience it, not just, hey, uh, I'm going to push my business, and I've got this video on YouTube of eight redfish flopping on the bottom of a boat. Come book a trip with me. Mm-hmm. Right, right. It's, and it's, it's a tough – it's just – it's a tough balance. I mean, it's a tough balance of knowing how much to market, how little to market, how to market, how to be proactive, and, and you know, with so many guides now, it, it's it, that's the whole reason I started this podcast. I was like, hey, I'm going to start the podcast because I got really lucky. When I first started guiding, there was very few people running Google Ads. I ran a bunch of Google Ads. It helped, you know, push people to my website. Now every other person runs Google Ads. So the, the podcast for me is a fun way to be able to talk. I love, I love filming. I love creating stuff through video. It's another fun way. Again, I, I realize sometimes... I'm over. I mean, it it can hurt more than it can help sometimes, but it's something that I enjoy to do, and I don't think in my heart I have an issue with it for myself doing it. Right. Um, but the like you said about the 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 taking spots and and stealing stuff from other people that that's a frustrating thing and and something that's definitely you know I've had a drone fly over and and stay over top of me for a while, um, I, and then I swore I'd keep a shotgun during. I mean, it really the most stressful time to be an inshore fishing guide. In North Carolina, it's right now. It's like yes. winter time, and right now, then it kind of all fizzles out, and everybody's good. The fish are spread out in a bunch of different areas, and with the stress and the anxiety of life, kind of goes back to normal. Right. Yeah. And then come winter time again, it's like God, I hate fishing. I don't even want to be a fishing guy. Like I'm become a <laughs> go work at an office job or something. Yeah. You so. should just open a fly shop. <laughs> you just hang out in the shop during the winter. I'm gonna be up there with you. One one thing, man, that I think um, is unique is so uh, before I was a full time guy, I was a fireman and. I always heard the old guys be like, well, you don't know what fighting fire in the 80s was like. Okay, it's just not the same. Like, So they, they were crapping on it. Like, there's just too many of you young guys. I'm like, oh, crap. Get to the fire or the guiding scene. And it was like, well, there's just too many. I'm like, oh, crap, I've been through this, right? And right. Um, now that I've been in it for a few years, I can see people under me, and I have this twins, right? I'm like, there's just too many people. I'm like, whoa, 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 right? Like, um that, that that's I don't think that's the right way to be, but you see it everywhere. You see it. Go to Montana. Ask them. There's too many people in Montana. There's too many people in Texas. I was talking to some Louisiana locals um, last winter, and they're like, "There's too many people." And I'm like, "God, where where's the next? Like, what 
what what that's happening everywhere. Um, so and then and it's really easy to get sucked into this like anthropic mindset of this. There's we need less people, right? That's not the case, right? Um, so you, you just have to rise above. That, that's. I have that sticker what on is, the beer fridge in the shop. <laughs> what does that sticker say? More ducks, less people. Which is really kind of an a-hole thing to say. It's like, I like ducks more than people. That's my wife always says when she says that sticker. But, no, that's, I just pulled it off the back of your chair. <laughs> I'm glad I sat in this one. I had a good friend send me that uh, that sticker to put on the fridge in the shop. So. Smolko? Yep. Nice. Thank, thank you, that's kind sir. Nice. I appreciate it. That's who I got it from. I, I've got some guide, not God stickers in here, too, if y'all want some before yeah, you, you leave. Can, yep. Hand me a stack. I'll slap them on the fridge. <laughs> it's a good but it's, it's still good. The the fishery is still good. Exactly. It's it's you know like if you don't you know comparison is the thief of joy, right? So yes. if you don't try to compare how it is right now versus like I don't even tell my client like I don't want to say man you should have seen it yesterday or don't you don't even want to tell the stories because they may be having a great time because what they're experiencing in that moment is the best thing they've ever experienced and. The, you know, these 20 fish in front of me, you don't want to tell them, well, there's 200 here yesterday. It's the same thing as, you know, comparing to what it was like 10 or 20 years ago. Right. Um, it's good now, and, and, and so we need to just keep it good. Yeah. It, you know, set a good example. Amen. And then just, let's just, you know, let's set the standard that we want everybody else to, you know, you may not be able to change the mind of somebody who's been fishing for 30 or 40 years, but because of social media, there's so many young people in their teens and twenties getting into it and they're looking for somebody to follow and take notes from and stuff. So, you know, let's be that lighthouse and shine that light for them and, and set that standard and, and make it look cool to be conservation focused and make it be cool exactly to be right. respectful of other anglers and, it's and things totally like that. totally cool to take a dump on a sandbar, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Judd, I think you've done well with that. Um, what? Dumps on sandbars? Dump, dumps on sandbars. <laughs> <laughs> um, Amen to that, man. I have. I, I, make dumps great again. <laughs> <laughs> that needs to be the podcast slogan. Make dumps great again. Yeah, uh, no, but I, dude, I think you have, man. Like, um, you had every right as one of the f- one of the first polling skiffs in the area to to be like locked. You know, just clam up and just be locked down. This too many people and just be grumpy and be at all the tackle shops and like we all know that guy. But instead, at least for me, in the past three or four years. You had every right not to like me. I know that I probably was annoying. Instead, you took me under your wing, man. You were like, this is the do's. These are the don't do's. These are what you, you know what I mean? And if I understand, that was the same dynamic. Is that what you were pointing at? Oh, dude, I, I totally shoved myself under John's wing. Yeah. He, didn't, he didn't have a choice. His wing was follow, tight. And I followed him without like a lost puppy. And I was like, please teach me your ways. <laughs> you should see his GPS. Mauser 1, Mauser 2, Mauser 3. No. Oh, man. I think we're only on 7. No, y'all did it the right way, and I think that's awesome. And if, if that keeps happening, then you know, good's got to come out of it. Got yeah. to come just out to, of it. Just so I don't, I don't want to catch any heat for this, but I was not one of the OG flat skiffs here. If you're getting true OG, I really wasn't. But I would say I was that that second. I mean, when I started guiding, there was two other people pulling a skiff guiding here. Very few other skiffs, but there, like you were, you were, you were fly fishing here before I was fly fishing here. You know, Alan Kane, Seth Vernon, John Huff. There, there's been a lot. There's been before me, but I would say I was definitely in before the the rise of the resistance, if you will. <laughs> I like that as a podcast. We're, we're the name. senior junior guys. The senior Sen- junior guys, y- exactly. Y'all help push the modern day wave. <laughs> yes, we yeah. are the problem. That's right. <laughs> Eastern Current, we are the problem. That's probably <laughs> probably the truth. Um, no, but I, I'm. I mean, I, it's uh, it's something to be you know cautious of and and think of you know as you 
bring others into the fishery is is teaching them the way. This mm-hmm. is starting to sound like Star Wars. I don't know if any of you watched <laughs> Star Wars. You just lead by example. Lead by example. Yeah, no, you're for right. Sure. For yeah. sure. If people are going to get into it, why not teach them the right way to, to interact with the resource? So that's kind of kind of my opinion of the whole thing. But I don't know. It's it's uh, it's ever changing. And I, one of my problems is is I get under my own skin sometimes, and I let people. I, I worry too much about what other people say instead of following my heart and doing what's best. And, and it's not good to lock out what other people's opinions are. Because, like I said, we need to be moldable humans, and especially in a in an area that's growing like ours. But God, we are such good complainers, though. Too, I'm thinking this is this is my ADD brain again. Think about Charleston. Think about Ooh. you know all these other. Really, Charleston's the worst. But like Georgia, Georgia's probably I would say in the realm of North Carolina. But the issue we've got is we've got like colleges near the coastline and and you know bigger cities. But it's uh it, it's just a resource. It's not a sport that that's. Like basketball or baseball, we just got to be cautious of it. I feel yeah. like that's the whole kind of theme of tonight. But yeah, for sure. You got any? You got anything else, Ozzy? Man, I don't know. My I try to like. Oh yeah, next time I get the chance to speak, I'm going to talk on that. I've had like then five I, things like yeah, that. I, I, keep I keep forgetting. Um, you but I should have a notepad. <laughs> what is that? I usually have my computer, but I, I can't it. write. <laughs> no, um, What's I think a notepad. <laughs> um, I you mean think... like the notes thing on your phone. Siri, yeah, make a note. <laughs> Careful, your phone's about to go off. Yeah, honestly, probably will. It's going to be a poop ad for now on out, <laughs> listening to me. What does a poop ad look like? <laughs> uh, the Shiwi. That's what it was. That's what the ads are going to be. No, but I think the vision pressure is, um, is hard. I mean, it may be just hard for me because I'm a young guy, or just hard for us in general because it's like, yeah, too much pressure. Oh, wait, I am the pressure. I fish five days a week. So it's difficult. It's really hard, but um, I think what you guys are saying are right. You know, we need, we need more Johns and and more Juds and more Perrys and, and more Aussies. Oh, thanks, guys. Well, I mean, <laughs> when when you get those sixteen and eighteen year old starstruck flyinglers who send you a message on Instagram and ask you basic questions, you know, like, oh, you could Google that. Just take the time to answer them, and yeah. you know, and and you know. Build that relationship with all them because before you know it, they're also going to be pulling the skiff around on your flights yeah, too. So that's right. You know, just that's very true. Don't shut them out. That's very true. No, I, I I think that's important is just to be nice to everyone. I mean, it's easy to to get pissed off about it, but yeah, just being helpful and being nice. You don't have to share your crap with them, but right, just point them in the right direction. Be a nice human. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, otherwise they're they're going to turn against you. Yeah. So. Maybe not turn against you, but they're they're going to be your competition. <laughs> well, what does that look like? <laughs> <laughs> they will kill you in your sleep. <laughs> Sink your skiff. Yeah, that's uh, hopefully that won't be the case. But no, I think uh, I think that's a good one, guys. Is there anything else before we kind of bring this to a close? No, I just got to poop. Yeah. Oh, I might have another story for you next week. I don't think we can make this any better, and I think we should entitle this one the the final Eastern Current podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Just to get everybody in there. We're done. <laughs> That's a genius idea. <laughs> Clickbait? Maybe. <laughs> gotcha. Absolutely. I was thinking something like uh, speckle trout management plan, poop stories, and too many people in the water. <laughs> I would click on that. I'm like, I gotta see where this goes. We should just make this an ode to Eric and just call this one the the two hole. The two hole. The two hole. Do you guys know about the two hole? No, I don't. Well, you have one hole that takes a number one, and you have another hole that takes a number two. So that's the two hole. <laughs> the two hole. <laughs> Is H U L L? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Boat joke. No, that's more like a dad joke. Well, guys, thanks for driving down. I don't want to end it because I'm like, oh, I just got to drive back. But I guess we got to wrap it up. This is we're an hour and twenty two minutes in, which is which is a long one. It was a good. One. Well, thank you for having us. It was uh, really fun to sit here and talk and 
for sure. shoot the biscuits with everybody. The Just next one out. we do together, we should do it in the shop. Absolutely. I'll, I'll bring all the gear up there, and we'll, we'll set up and do it in the shop. You come on an opening day, man. I'll have, like I said, granola. I'll, I'll have all that. You set. better have some, some free granola uh, now. There's going to be people showing up just for that. That's all right. Uh, I'm going to actually title this Where it. to Get Free, Gano- free Granola is going to be the name of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> and I will link everybody's guide services, link the shop, link the rod building. Um, there's so many more things we could talk about, but um, everyone's links will be on here. If, if, maybe book a trip with your favorite poop story. Yeah. That's what I'm going to say. Whoa. Yeah. Can well, I redo my poop story? <laughs> <laughs> yep, we'll do this again in the future. So yeah, look forward to it. Definitely. Well, guys, thanks for listening to another Eastern Current podcast, and we will see y'all next week. Later. If you're anything like me, you like a clean boat. That's why I've chosen to partner with Carolina First Made out of South Carolina. Carolina First Made is a family-owned business that provides environmentally friendly boat cleaning alternatives. My two favorite products are their hole cleaner that doesn't harm your trailer and their boat wash. Be sure to use code EC15 for 15% off your online purchase. If you're interested in checking out all their products, you can find a link to their website in the podcast show notes.